Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Today we discuss the philosophical views of Aristotle. Aristotle? Talk about your deadwood. Aristotle hasn't written anything for, like, the last 2,300 years, John. Why are we still talking about him? You think they'll still be talking about us in uh, 4305? Ken, you ignorant modernist. <laughs> Aristotle's views helped shape Roman and Greek culture, Islamic culture, Christian culture, even the modern scientific revolution was in, in many ways framed by Aristotle, to whom it was a sort of a revolution. That influence is pretty hard to top even for you. Oh, you're, you're right about that, John. You're right about that. There's plenty to say about Aristotle. We'll try to scratch your Aristotle itch after the news when Philosophy Talk continues. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 FM, KALW, San Francisco's oldest and most innovative public radio station. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, Santa Clara County's oldest and most innovative university. Yeah, there you go, John. And today we're going to talk about... Aristotle, one of the one of the great greatest philosophers of all time. You know, Ken, uh, I've got a, a picture uh, in in my study, a, a, a copy, no doubt. Oh, not the original <laughs> of uh, Raphael's uh, uh, great painting that shows shows Plato and Aristotle coming down some steps together, and Plato's pointing up and Aristotle's pointing down. Does that mean Aristotle's a downer and Plato's an upper? I mean, what does it mean? It means uh, Plato is a really otherworldly philosopher. You know, Plato's forms and Plato's heaven, you can't see them, touch them, hear them, feel. You can only think them. And the things that you can see, hear, touch, and feel, they're not really real. I mean, they're just shadows or something. But Plato, I mean, Aristotle, mm. was a really this world of God. He was into the concrete reality. The realest things were the concrete particulars around us. And we could touch them and see them and interact with them. That's the real stuff. Well, you know, like a lot of philosophers who aren't really historians, I, I teach a lot of Plato because I use his dialogues in my introductory courses. I must admit, uh, I haven't ever studied that much Aristotle. You're, you're more of a historian, a student of the history of philosophy. Give me one of Aristotle's ideas that still seems relevant and alive today. Well, there are lots of them, but I'll just tell you about his four causes, right? Aristotle says, how do we think about the world in terms of causes? What's a cause? It's something that answers to the question, why? Why did it happen, right? And he says, there are four answers to that. Four kinds of causes that answer why questions. What he called the material cause, the efficient cause, the formal cause, and the final cause. Okay, so... Sounds good, but what's it mean? Suppose I'm going to, let's just take an example out of thin air. Suppose I'm going to build a house. Looks like I'm the cause. I mean, I do the building. You're the efficient cause. The build, because you set the thing moving. That's the efficient cause. But the material cause is the stuff out of which the house is to be built. So that's the bricks and mortar and nails and stuff. So okay. the okay. builder moves the stuff and makes a house. Okay, so I got to pay the builder and I got to pay for the wood. Are there two more causes yeah, i got to pay yeah, for? Yeah, there's two more. There's the formal cause. That's if you had the blueprint of the house. It would ha have how all the parts are arranged, right? How they all fit together. That's the form or the essence. And then the, there's one more. What is the house really for? It's to provide shelter. 
That's the final cause. And Aristotle used those notions of four causes everywhere, explained natural phenomena, politics, the human body, ethics, everything in terms of these four causes. Well, Ken, that's really cool, and I must admit it makes a lot of sense, but a, a little part of me says, yeah, a lot of common sense. I mean, who needed to discover that? Well, here's the thing. Some philosophers like to offend common sense, and some philosophers like to articulate and explain and systematize common sense, and that's what Aristotle did. Well, I guess he must have been pretty smart because for 2,300 years, people have still been talking about him. Yeah, that's right. You know, maybe we should find out more about how smart he actually was and how important he was. Well, I could just make some stuff up. Oh, oh please, don't do that, John. Don't do that. Our, our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, went out and talked to somebody who really knows about the historical influence of uh, Aristotle. She files this report. This is from the movie Alexander with Christopher Plummer as Aristotle. Excess in all things is the undoing of men. That is why we Greeks are superior. We practice control of our senses. Aristotle in his own time was recognized as the smartest fellow other than Plato in Plato's academy. Richard Rubinstein is the author of Aristotle's Children. Then he left Plato's Academy and he traveled in the East, uh, in the Middle East and in Greece, and he probably became Alexander the Great's tutor, although some people think that that's uh, a myth. Some people, but not Oliver Stone. In this scene, Aristotle explains how Greece could take over the East and rule the world. Then he offers young Alexander a prophetic warning. It has always been our Greek dream to go East. The East has a way of swallowing men and their dreams. Well, the East did swallow up Alexander and his dreams, but that's not what happened to his teacher. Fast forward 12 centuries. The Greek and Roman empires have risen and fallen, but Aristotle's teachings have a great influence in the flourishing Muslim Arab empire. Very strong Arab interest, for example, in astronomy, which was a subject that Aristotle had studied. Very strong influence in the Arab world also in metaphysics, in politics, in ethics. No empire lives forever. And as the early Arab world began to fade, so did the interest in Aristotle, whose teachings were deemed heretical by Muslim clerics. In 1000 AD, the First Crusade brought Christians into the Muslim world. As they began to recapture parts of Spain and the Middle East, they found libraries rich with Aristotle's writings. What happened in Europe was that after Aristotle's works were discovered, after a period of great confusion in which the church tried to ban Aristotle's work in the new universities. The European universities were just being established around 1200, around the year 1200. The church said it's better that way. This is, you know, this stuff could really be trouble. Well, the fascinating thing is the ban was basically just ignored. Everybody read it anyway. And the ban was issued in 1210. And by 1250, the works of Aristotle were required reading in every university in Europe. Rubinstein says there's a pattern here. It's no coincidence, he says, that Aristotle was popular in ancient Greece, medieval Islam, Europe after the Crusades. You have a civilization that's growing and developing and changing, and economic activity is increasing, and people are kind of more optimistic about the things of this world and interested in solving worldly problems. Those are the kinds of ages which really seem to be most interested in Aristotle. Whereas, you know, the opposite of that is I think that ages in which society is more troubled and people are more pessimistic about their ability to make progress and they're more interested in the other world than this world and lowering of expectations, at least this worldly expectations, people then seem to become more interested in Plato. So where are we on that continuum? Your answer probably depends on how you voted in the last election. 
Rubenstein says that for reds as well as blues, Aristotle is still relevant today. One reason for a new revival of interest in Aristotle is that we're looking for a basis on which to live as a human community, as a single human community, and even recognizing people's cultural diversity and political diversity and all the rest. We still want to know things like, what are our duties towards all these new neighbors? Are there ways that we can find to resolve conflicts without getting everybody killed? And that search for understanding and that search for happiness is what what drove Aristotle and what is making Aristotle relevant again in a general way, even if specific Aristotelian beliefs aren't so relevant. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.